Welcome to the Royal Ramble Podcast on this Wednesday evening, February 1st, 2017. Happy the happy 1st of February, everybody, here on itsyourradio.com, two-hour edition. I am your host, Brian Sendek. Joining me, as always, is the co-host, Ryan Motorano. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Uh, yeah, this is um, going to be a wild show for you guys. Two-hour edition. We have to talk a lot, a lot of stuff to talk about. We're just coming off a crazy, controversial weekend for WWE. They had NXT TakeOver San Antonio on Saturday night. A big show that was. And, of course, on Sunday, the Royal Rumble took place. A lot to talk about with that. Uh, we also got to recap both Raw and SmackDown as both shows begin the road to WrestleMania. Raw focusing on Fastlane, SmackDown focusing on the Elimination Chamber, which takes place 11 days from now. So we got to talk about that, plus some other big news going on in the wrestling world, some WrestleMania talk as well. So busy, jam-packed two-hour show for you guys here on itsyourradio.com. Before we get into all the news and the recapping of the big shows that took place the past couple of days, we got to give you guys our Twitter handle. You can follow me, B underscore Sendek95. You can follow Ryan at Ryan underscore Monorano Plus. You can give a follow to the show at Royal Ramble IYR. So before we get into the controversial weekend that was, you know, Royal Rumble weekend, very controversial for both TakeOver San Antonio and the Royal Rumble, plus some other very sad, uh, uh, disappointing news that we're going to talk about in a little bit regarding a, uh, a certain superstar's health. And availability for WrestleMania. Let's start off the show with some good news. For us personally. Sad news for others. But some great news for me and Ryan. And that was the future decision of Kenny Omega. Now on this show. We've been talking about Kenny Omega uh, quite a lot. For the past month. I mean the guy's coming off a crazy month. Of January to kick off 2017. And for so long. There's been speculation about. Where is this guy going to end up? You know his contract was coming up. His contract actually expired yesterday. There's a lot of speculation. That he was going to leave New Japan Pro Wrestling. To go to the WWE. There was other speculation. That that was not going to happen. And last week. Kenny Omega finally made a decision. About his future. He went on the Wrestling Observer. If you guys follow that. That's a show hosted by Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer, the man responsible for giving the Okada Omega match six stars. And he came out and said it, that he is going to stay in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He is planning to renegotiate a contract beginning this month, and that he has no intentions of signing with WWE at the moment. Now, in terms of how long the contract's going to be, I'm not so sure. The only thing that I've read about it is that it's probably going to be maybe a one-year deal, maybe two, depending on how long New Japan wants to keep Omega, how long Omega wants to stay in New Japan. They're going to renegotiate the contract, but from what I've heard, it looks like it's going to be another one-year deal for Kenny Omega. But either way, he's staying in New Japan, and that is tremendous news to hear from me, from Ryan, and from other fans that want him to stay in New Japan. Certainly some sad news for those who want him to come to WWE and be a part of uh, the main roster. Not going to happen. And personally, people, it was the right decision for Kenny Omega. All right. This guy has made it publicly clear that he wants to have a complete career with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he's close to having a complete career with the company. I mean, look at the accomplishments this guy has made for the past two years with New Japan. He's been IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. 
IWGP Intercontinental Champion. He's been a six-man tag team champion with the Young Bucks. He won the G1 Climax Tournament. I believe he's the first foreigner to ever win that tournament in the history of New Japan. The guy took part in the first ever uh, New Japan ladder match with Michael Elgin. And the man is coming off a Wrestle Kingdom 11 main event with Okada. And that match wind up being arguably the greatest match in the history of the business. He has done all. He's done it all in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But one thing is missing, people. He, is not, he has never won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And if he ever wins that belt, and I believe he will win that belt now that he's going back, that will be a complete career for Kenny Omega. And I think that's a big reason why he stayed in New Japan is because he wants to win that championship. He wants to have a complete career in New Japan. He's close, but he's not there yet. For him to fulfill that goal, he has to win that championship. And now that he's officially going back to New Japan Pro Wrestling, I think he will get that championship rematch. And I believe he will get the title some point this year. I'm not sure when. I'm not sure where. If I had to personally guess, the best place for him to win that belt is at Dominion. Uh, that's the second biggest event I think New Japan holds every year. And I think that will be the right time to bring him back. The challenge Okada or even Minoru Suzuki. We don't know. Because at the New Beginning show, which happens, I believe, next weekend, uh, Suzuki is facing Okada for that belt. They could give they could give the belt to Suzuki. Of course, Suzuki Gun is back with New Japan, but we never know. But it is good news to hear that Omega's staying. And personally, right now, WWE, in the position they're in right now, they're just not ready for Kenny Omega. And Kenny Omega is not ready for WWE. Plain and simple. You know, if Kenny Omega realistically joined the main roster, because guess what? If he did sign with WWE... He's not going to NXT. He doesn't need to go to NXT. He's better than that. Some people think he would. He's not going to NXT. Let's say he did sign and go to the main roster. What's his role going to be? You know, because this guy has made it clear that he wants to come into WWE. If WWE wants him badly, you know, he wants to do stuff that, you know, WWE may not allow him to do. You know, he wants to be a top guy like AJ Styles. He wants to work his way up. He wants to take part in some of the best matches in WWE. Who knows if WWE will ever allow him to do what he needs to do in order to gain success within the company. Because look, you know, with WWE, a lot of the time with their wrestling talent is that there are restrictions for their in-ring work, for time. And will that favor Kenny Omega? It's, it's really tough to see. So right now, Kenny Omega is in no position to go into WWE and he made the right decision to stay in New Japan. I'm thrilled about it. I'm happy for Kenny. He has a lot of loyalty and desire to, to stay in New Japan to help it make greater in today's wrestling world. And he's doing that greatly with some of the other top talents in New Japan Pro Wrestling has to offer. And again, you know, it's great news for others, not great news for other people. But personally, it was the right decision for both Kenny, for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and for WWE. Because right now, WWE is just, is just not ready for Kenny Omega and neither is Kenny Omega ready for WWE. So great news to hear. Kenny Omega is staying for New with New Japan Pro Wrestling for at least this year. As for his future, long term, we'll see what happens. But at least for 2017, Kenny Omega is working nowhere else except for New Japan Pro Wrestling.
We we don't disagree on a lot on this show, Ryan. But I I disagree with you. I mean, if you're New Japan Pro Wrestling, and if you are Gato, and if you're Kenny Omega, I mean, I I think one of the biggest reasons why this guy resigned with the company is that there has to be some sort of way for him to win the belt. I mean, look, this guy just came off the greatest match in the history of. The wrestling business, not just the greatest match in New Japan pro wrestling history, the greatest match in the history of the wrestling business. If you are Gato, how in God's name do you not put the belt on this guy? He proved more than anything at Wrestle Kingdom that this guy, that he can be a world champion. Now, I'm not saying this guy's going to get a long title run, all right? We don't see foreigners in New Japan pro wrestling get long title runs. AJ Styles, yeah, he was a champion twice, but he never really had a long title run in New Japan Pro Wrestling, all right? And no other foreigner is going to get a long championship run in New Japan Pro Wrestling, all right? Because they're foreigners. They're not Japanese stars. It, whether you like it or not, you know, the Japanese stars are going to get most of the love because they are related to the company because they're Japanese. And again, you know, let, let's say Kenny Omega comes back and he wins the belt in the summer. He wins the belt at Dominion. Knocks off Okada or Suzuki, whoever it is. And let's say he holds the belt from then to Wrestle Kingdom. That's a great title run for Kenny Omega. For New Japan standards. That would be an awesome title run for Kenny Omega. I'm not expecting this guy to win the belt and to hold it for a year. No, that's not my expectation. All I care about is that this guy gets a championship run at least. He deserves it. That man deserves a title run more than anybody. Especially after that performance he gave at Wrestle Kingdom 11. He deserves a title run. And if Kenny Omega was going to re-sign with the company, I think if you're Gato, you got to give him this title run. Because let's say Gato says, yeah, we'll re-sign you, but we're not going to give you the championship. Why in God's name should Omega stay then? Because what else does Omega have to offer? He's done everything he could in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I just need an off everything. He's been... IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Intercontinental Champion, Six-Man Tag Team Champion. The guys won all the gold in New Japan Pro Wrestling, except for the Never Openweight Championship, the tag, yeah, you know, the, the rest of the titles. But still, this guy, I think, came back solely because he wants to have a complete career. And he will not have a complete career in New Japan unless he wins that championship. So if I'm Gato... I have no choice but to put the belt on this guy. He's being loyal to my company. If he really wanted to leave, he would have left for WWE. But he said, no, I want to stay here. I want to continue to help grow Japan. If you're Gato, you can't deny him of a championship run. I'm not saying that you should give this guy the belt and have him run with the belt for a year. No, just give him a title run before he does leave. Because guess what, people? I do believe one day he's going to leave New Japan. I do believe within two years from now, he will be in the WWE. You know, some people think that's not the case. Well, no one thought AJ Styles or Shinsuke Nakamura were ever going to jump to WWE. Especially Nakamura, because he was a top star in New Japan. But no, both both those guys left. And if those two guys can leave, anybody could go to WWE. And I think Omega's in that same conversation. And he had thoughts about going to WWE. And he's also made it clear that this guy, one day, wants to have a WrestleMania moment. One day, he wants to wrestle AJ Styles in WWE. One day, possibly work out a, a deal to have him and the Young Bucks finally have that dream six-man tag team match with Xavier Woods in the New Day. I still think that's in his mind that he wants to do that one day. So he'll be in WWE for sure. But he's staying loyal to New Japan. That's great news. But if I'm Gato, 
You saw that this guy came back. He's loyal to your company. You got to give him the championship. You cannot prevent that from happening. After the performance he gave in the Tokyo Dome, showing his loyalty to the company, you got to give this guy the championship. And like I said, if he wins the belt in the summer and holds it to Wrestle Kingdom 12, that's a great title run for Kenny Omega. That's, an, that, that's a longer title run than AJ Styles had in the WWE. That would be a great accomplishment for Kenny Omega. Just give him the title once. I'm not saying he should hold the belt for over a year, have a long title reign like Okada's had in the past, like Tanahashi's had in the past. No. Give this guy a title run. He deserves it. And Ryan, again, you know, he's going back to New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm not sure how you could prevent this guy from getting a title shot to one and winning the title shot too. You got to give him the title run because what else could he realistically do in New Japan Pro Wrestling? The guy has done absolutely everything in New Japan Pro Wrestling. The only thing that is missing from his accomplishments that he's made from having a complete career in New Japan is a win and a run as IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And if Gato doesn't give him that spot, if he doesn't give him that championship, then Kenny Omega should have never signed. Because I think that's a big reason why he's going back. Not just because he's not ready for WWE or WWE's not ready for him. That plays a part. But I think a big reason why he's back in New Japan is because he wants to complete his career. And he will complete his career when he wins that belt. But if he doesn't win that belt, then he didn't achieve what he wanted to do in the first place. He didn't achieve what he wanted to do. He wants to have a complete career. It's close, but it's not complete until you win that championship. If he doesn't win that championship, then what's the point of resigning with New Japan Pro Wrestling? That's how I think about it. I know you have different opinions, but again, if you're Gato, yeah, you may be skeptical given the championship if he's only going to stay for a year. But like I said, man, after the performance he gave at Wrestle Kingdom 11, after him being loyal to your company, you got to give this guy a title run. If you don't do it, you are making a dumb, stupid mistake.
Now, uh, in terms of you saying Okada, why did he retain the championship? They should have given the belt to Omega. Yeah, that does make a little bit of sense. You know, Omega worked so hard to get to where he got at Wrestle Kingdom, and he deserved that belt. But two reasons why I think he didn't win the belt. Number one is because Gato was skeptical that Kenny was going to resign. I think with his contract coming up, that, you know, Kato had no idea if Kenny was going to stay. Because, look, if, let's say Kenny won the championship and he decides to say, oh, I'm going to leave for WWE, then there was no point putting the belt on him. So I think he was skeptical. He was nervous that if he gave Omega the championship, he would have a very short run and leave the company and go to WWE. So he wouldn't want to do that. But number two, though, I think a big reason why is when you look at the story it told, the match itself, and we've talked about before on the show, it told an incredible story where, you know, the entire time Omega is working on the lower back uh, up to his neck to Okada to, and cap it off with the one-wing angel. He never hit that move. And as the match moved on, I think there were fans that were tr that were rooting for Omega to win, and he never did. And I think, you know, people wanted more. It, it got Kenny Omega so over with the fans and over in, with New Japan that he didn't need to win that match. And I think... If they do build a rematch, I think more people are going to be wanting to see Omega win. You know, to finally uh, reach the top of the mountain and maybe hit that one-wing angel. Because that was a story right there. His whole goal was to beat Okada up so bad that when he hit that finisher, there was no way Okada was going to kick out. And he never got an opportunity to hit that move. He attempted it numerous times, but he never hit the move. And I think it would be a good story to tell that Omega comes back. He wants another shot at Okada, and in that match, he continues to attempt to hit that move, and in the very end, he does hit that move to finally win the championship. So, I get it. You know, I was a little upset that Kenny didn't win the, win the belt, but again, those are the two reasons I would think as to why Kenny didn't win. A, because his contract was coming up, and that Gato was very nervous that if he gave him the belt, that Omega would leave within the next month, and that would not be a good look for New Japan, that they reward this guy the championship, but he has to leave. 28 days later and B I just think it was a smart move to not put the bell on, on Omega because you know he because uh, trying to word this the right way is because the story was he was trying to get that move on, on Okada couldn't hit the one-wing angel and I think fans over time when they watch the match they turned the tables around they wanted Okada to win then they went to Omega to win because they wanted him to hit that move and he just couldn't do it because he put so much work into it so that's all I have to say but again people in the very end Time will tell. He will look like likely he'll be back in New Japan Pro Wrestling. When will he come back? I'm not sure. Maybe around the springtime we'll see Omega back with the Bullet Club because he's not the only one that has gone MIA with New Japan. Bullet Club has not been around either. This whole New Beginning Tour, we have not seen the Bullet Club. It's been all New Japan stars and like Chaos and Suzuki Gun and some other wrestling groups that are facing each other. No Bullet Club what whatsoever. So I think once April, May hits around, we're going to see more Bullet Club. But uh, uh, Kenny Omega will be around then, and we'll see what happens. But personally to me, if they don't reward this guy the championship, Gato is making a big mistake, and it was it would be a waste signing for Kenny Omega to go back to New Japan and not win the championship that he so desperately needs to win in order to finally have a complete career in Japan.
All right, let's shift the focus now to Royal Rumble weekend. We're going to start off with the Royal Rumble and then move ahead to take over San Antonio because we got to talk about the Royal Rumble. It was very controversial. Um, let's start off with the uh, some of the good of the show. I mean, the matches before the Rumble match were really good on the main card. You know, the women's match between Charlotte and Bailey was really good. Charlotte winning the match was no surprise. I liked the way she won the match with the natural disaster from the outside was pretty cool. Doesn't make Bailey look weak a little bit, but still, I think Bailey's so over with the fans that she'll be fine, and this feud's going to continue for a long time going to WrestleMania season. So, no surprise there. If Bailey won the belt, I mean, it would make no sense because it would end Charlotte's undefeated streak of pay per views. And I just think Bailey's best time to winning that belt is at WrestleMania. So, good decision, good match to kick off the show. Um, the Universal title match between Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens was great match. Um, very physical. The no disqualification rules, you know, they, they used that rule to its advantage. They made it physical. They made it hard-hitting. There were a lot of great spots in that match, whether it was Kevin Owens doing the frog splash to Roman Reigns through the table on the outside to... Roman Reigns pushing uh, Owens off the top rope onto a bed of chairs or Roman powerbombing Owens to the announce table. It was just great top to bottom and Braun Strowman getting involved was something I did not see coming. But in all honesty, it makes a lot of sense. If you're going to have Kevin Owens win the belt, it's going to happen in a screwy way. Some people were not happy that Owens won the match because of an interference. But people, number one, you know, where have you been lately with A... Kevin Owens' title run, and B, the philosophy of how a heel wins matches, all right? When a, when you see a heel champion hold the belt and he wins a match, most of the time he wins the match by a screwy finish. Not a lot of guys who are heel champions win the match cleanly. There's some certain guys that do, but not all of them. And if you watch Kevin Owens' title run lately... Every single title defense that this guy's had, whether it's against Seth Rollins or any other opponent, he has won the match in a screwy way. Whether it was a Chris Jericho interference or a Braun Strowman interference, this guy has found ways to win matches not clean. So it was not shocking that he won the match because of outside interference, because that's been the entire way throughout his title run. So, and that was a good way to... Uh, you know, to not make Roman look weak, because of course, you know, Vince McMahon can't make Roman look weak at all. So in order to protect Roman Reigns, he needs to have someone screw him over, and Braun Strowman did that. So I had no problem with that. It was good storytelling, good match. Um, the Cruiserweight match to me was okay. Some people loved it. I didn't think it was that great. Um, of course, he made the right decision giving Neville the championship. There was no other way to go with that. I'm sorry. You could not deny or pre prevent from never winning that championship. I know Rich Swann's title run was good, but it had to come to an end. It was starting to get a little bit slow. Uh, and Neville is just a more marketable, bigger name to hold that belt. Because, again, people to this day still have a tough time trying to get acclimated with these new cruiserweights. You know, again, you know, Rich Swan, he's an entertaining guy. But people don't react to this guy when he comes out, which is a damn shame. And WWE knows that they need a marketable big name to lead this division, and that's Neville. Neville's got his history with NXT, his short history as a singles guy on the main roster with WWE, and from the moment this guy turned heel, he has been the hottest act possibly in WWE. No one has been hotter than Neville. He is killing it right now with his mic skills, with his 
acting ability, the way he's portraying himself as a heel, his wrestling continues to be great. He is one of the hottest, if not the hottest, wrestler going today in, in WWE. So you could not prevent this guy from not winning the championship. It was destined to happen, and I had no problem with it. I just thought the match itself was good, but it just didn't feel like a cruiserweight match to me. It felt like a normal WWE match. It wasn't that fast-paced. It just didn't have that feel to me of a cruiserweight match like we saw over the summer with the Cruiserweight Classic. It just didn't have that same vibe. And then finally, the WWE Championship match between John Cena versus AJ Styles. Great match. Was it better than their SummerSlam encounter? I don't think so. Some thought it was. I didn't see it. I thought the SummerSlam encounter was better because it had a better build. I thought the finish was a lot better than this one. And, you know, again, you know, I just thought that the moment was greater than, than now. Because, yes, I know, John Cena tying the record, 16-time world champion, that is a huge accomplishment. But I, I just think that that was better served for WrestleMania. That's just me. You know, some people agree, some others disagree. But I think if you really wanted John Cena to tie that record, it was better served for WrestleMania. And I'll say it again, I, and I mentioned it to you, Ron, I just think AJ Styles got CM Punk'd. And what do I mean by that? Because I've said it a number of times, that he got CM Punk'd. And people ask me, what do you mean by that? It's, it's a clear indication. Here you go. When CM Punk was the world champion, you know, when he had that 434-day run as champion with Paul Heyman by his side, there was no one hotter, there was no one better at the time than CM Punk. And he was destined to walk into WrestleMania as the champion. Same thing for AJ Styles. Now, I'm not saying AJ Styles, you know, had the great run like CM Punk did, but still, AJ was red hot. He is the clear top guy in WWE, and he's had a great title run, so good that he deserves to be champion walking into WrestleMania. But what happens? Royal Rumble season comes around, and that champion drops the championship belt to a part-timer. CM Punk did it with The Rock. This time around, AJ's doing it with John Cena. Now, John Cena is not the part-timer that The Rock was, but still, he's a part-timer. And I just felt it wasn't right for AJ Styles to have that great of a run, to have a great first year, to drop that championship a couple of months away to WrestleMania. It was better served for him to drop that belt to John Cena at WrestleMania. That was just me. Others disagree. I think that was the right way to go. Cena beating Styles for the Bell Royal Rumble was not shocking. I made the prediction it was going to happen. I wasn't shocked when he won the match, but at the same time, I was disappointed because I felt that moment was better served and would have been a bigger moment if it would have happened at WrestleMania and not the Royal Rumble. Not saying the Royal Rumble is a big place to have moments like that happen, but still, those big moments where we see records being tied or broken, they're better served for the biggest stage at WrestleMania. And that was the problem I had with that match. It was a great match. I'm not taking away anything from what AJ or Cena did. They had a tremendous match. They had great chemistry together. But to me, the moment of Cena beating Styles for that belt was just not the right decision to be. That match was better served for WrestleMania. And I just think personally, AJ Styles got CM Punk'd by John Cena and the WWE. And that is not how you reward this guy, all right? AJ Styles is coming off arguably the greatest first year in the history of your company. He's having a tremendous title run. He's the face of your SmackDown brand. Can you at least have this guy go into WrestleMania as a champion? And like I say, you know, if John Cena would have beaten AJ Styles for that belt WrestleMania, no problem. I would have been perfectly fine with that because it makes sense. WrestleMania, the biggest event of the year. Big moments happen at that show. And Cena tying the record 
would have been a big moment. But at the Royal Rumble, it wasn't big as I thought of. It, 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 it didn't feel big. It, didn't, it wasn't meant to be big in my opinion because that moment was better served for WrestleMania. But all in all, before the Rumble match happened, those first four matches to lead off the main show were really, really good. And I thought all four decisions were good. Uh, three of the four decisions were right. The other one was right, but it was better served for a different event than the Royal Rumble.
Until the actual Royal Rumble match took place, and I'm I'm going to be curious, people. This was the most anticipated Royal Rumble match I've ever had. I was really looking forward to this match because it was so star-studded. The amount of names that were in this match, the amount of surprises that I thought we were going to get in this match. I was so pumped up for this Rumble, and it wound up being maybe the most disappointing Rumble match in the history of the Royal Rumble. And there's been some disappointing ones. You know, when Batista won, that was disappointing. Uh, some other rumbles have been very disappointing. But this one tops it all, man, because it was so anticipated. It was so hyped up. I mean, WWE did it again. They hype up something so big that it gets fans pumped up. So pumped up that they expect this to be one of the greatest things ever. But when it does happen, in the very end, it turns out to be an absolute failure. And they've done it with their big events. Look no further than this year. SummerSlam. Brock Lesnar vs. Randy Orton was the main event. WWE did a great job hyping up that match. So good that I was pumped up to see Randy vs. Brock Lesnar. How did that turn out? Brock annihilated Randy Orton and it ended in a knockout. Like a UFC freaking finish. Stupid. Survivor Series. Goldberg vs. Brock Lesnar main event. I wasn't hyped up about it, but again, others were. People were pumped to see Goldberg back in the WWE ring for the first time in 12 years. They were pumped to see him versus Brock Lesnar again. And, you know, there was expectations. And again, WWE did a great job hyping up the match. What happens? Match ends in a minute 26. Terrible. And now we got the Royal Rumble. You you have all these guys come in. You, you, you name Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, The Undertaker, uh, Dean Ambrose, The Miz, Dolph Ziggler, Braun Strowman. So many big names in this Rumble match. It will go down as the most star-studded Rumble in the history of the Royal Rumble. It really was. And you did a tremendous job hyping up this match. Getting people some pumped up. But in the very end, you once again failed. And let's go right through the match. It started off with Big Cass at number one. Okay. No problem. Him versus Chris Jericho was number two. Good start right there. And then it went to Kalisto with three. Mo Mojo Raleigh number four. Jack Gallagher five. That was a surprise to me a little bit. And number six was Mark Henry. So not the best four that came out after one and two. 
things got interesting when Braun Strowman came out. All right, and that was the most one of the more interesting names was Braun Strowman and how he was going to be utilized in this match. And right out of the gate, he was being utilized tremendously. He was killing people in the ring. He was eliminating talent after eliminating another person. He was so dominant in the ring. Sami Zayn comes out at eight. We all knew that was happening because it was announced during the show that he was number eight. And then Big Show at 9, no problem with that because they're going to have their stare off. And then here's number 10, Ty Dillinger. Without a doubt, Ryan, that was the best moment of the Royal Rumble. And that's sad that Ty Dillinger at number 10 making his main roster debut was the best moment of the match. That is very sad. It's great, though, because we wanted it. And it made perfect sense. If WWE didn't capitalize on that moment, they are the biggest idiots on the planet. So at least they were smart enough to have that moment happen because people wanted it. You know, you can tell, you know, 10, 10, 10, the chance were happening. And when the clocks hit zero and Ty Dillinger's music hit, the place went freaking nuts. No shocker there because this guy is so over in WWE. I'm still concerned about his future in WWE, but one thing is for sure that he is over with the fans. So that is a good positive for Ty Dillinger. So he's number 10. Number 11, James Ellsworth. I mean, no shocker that he was in the match, but it would have wasted spot to me. The guy, number one, didn't want to get in the match. When he did, he was eliminated within five seconds. That was stupid. Dean Ambrose at 12 was the man who eliminated him. You know, he had a nice run in the match. Barrett Corbin, 13. He was excellent in the match. Kofi Kingston was 14. The Miz was 15. Uh, let's talk about, though, the Strowman moment, though. Because, look, I expected Braun Strowman to be... In this match for a long time. I did. I, I thought Braun... I, I went as far to say that he was going to be in the final two. And one of the biggest mistakes that this company made for this match was have Braun Strowman eliminated early. He was eliminated by Baron Corbin. Which, no problem. That's cool to see Corbin eliminate Strowman. But so early in the match... In the middle of the match, Braun Strowman was eliminated. Why? That's not a good look. You know, you're trying to book this guy... To be this dominant force. You're trying to make this guy into a superstar. You cannot have this guy eliminated in the middle of the match. He has to be at least in the final five or the final six. Whatever the case is. This guy has got to be in the match during its later stages. Not eliminated in the middle of the match. That was a big mistake they made. And then you have 16 with Sheamus. Big E 17. Rusev 18. He came into the match with a broken nose. He wore a mask. Cesaro, 19. Xavier Woods, 20. Things got that interesting at 21. Bray Wyatt came out. Here comes Apollo Crews at 22. He wasn't an announced entrant, so he was a little bit of a surprise. Randy Orton, 23. We'll get into him a little bit because he had a big impact in this match, of course. Dolph Ziggler, 24. Luke Harper, 25. He had a cool moment with Bray and Randy. He took out both those guys. And then Brock Lesnar came at 26. Because that's when, you know, as the match moved on, I was like, all right, when are we going to see Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, and Taker? Because that's the guys we wanted to see. And then Brock Lesnar came at 26, and he did what Brock Lesnar does. He came into the ring. He took out everybody that was in the ring, whether it was an F5, a suplex, eliminating that guy over the top rope. It was cool. You know, Brock Lesnar killing everybody in the ring. That was cool. Here is where I think they missed the boat big time. So he wipes out everybody in the ring, takes them all out. No one's standing except for him. And the clock starts ticking down 10, 9, 8, 7. And you would think that with him alone in the ring, somebody big is going to come out and provoke him. It could have been Goldberg. could have been The Undertaker. You would think 
it would be one of those two guys or somebody else that was going to come out, get in the face of Brock Lesnar, and issue a big challenge to him. And what did we get at number 27? Enzo freaking Amore. Really? That's what you do? You had an opportunity to have a big-time moment, and that's what you do. Now, the moment I wanted to happen, Ryan, and I think you know where I'm going with this, is that I wanted Samoa Joe to come out. I mean, the 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 opportunity to have a Samoa Joe Brock Lesnar stare down was money. That would have been an epic moment. But no, we found out later that they had other plans for Joe, who was not in the match. We'll get into Samoa Joe's current plan right now with the WWE. But still, Enzo Mori, that's who you pick to come out 27, and he's gone within five seconds. That was a stupid wasted uh spot. Goldberg at 28, he comes out, he has his face over Brock Lesnar, and boom. One spear, Brock Lesnar's out 12 seconds later. Again, you know, WWE having, you know, Brock Lesnar be beaten down by Goldberg. You know, Brock Lesnar can't defeat Goldberg in any sort of way, whether it's a singles match or in the Royal Rumble. Goldberg's got Brock's number, and that is the story right now between Brock and Goldberg is that Goldberg has Brock's number. So that happened at 28, 29, here comes The Undertaker. He comes out, he didn't come from the entranceway, the lights went out, came back on, Taker's in the ring. He's having his stare down with Goldberg, which was cool, it was a cool moment. Goldberg spears him, however though, Taker eliminates him. So now we get down to number freaking 30, Ryan, and this is where I just lost it. I just lost it. So number 30, I mean, you, you, you thought it would be a surprise. You know, number 30 is a big name. So we were expecting a big name, and I was thinking it was going to be Finn Balor. I really thought, Ryan, that it was going to be Finn Balor because I thought they could have had a great moment of having Finn stare down with The Undertaker because that's been a match they've been teasing for the past you know, couple months, maybe a year, because Finn Balor has a nice dark connection like The Undertaker does. So I thought it was going to be Finn. Hell, I even thought it was going to be Kurt Angle. I thought he was going to come out number 30. Maybe Samoa Joe. But who comes out, Ryan? Roman freaking Reigns. Are you kidding me? So Roman Reigns, a guy that wrestled earlier in the night, failed to win his world championship match, is allowed back in the Royal Rumble? Right then and there, Ryan, that is a clear indication that this entire freaking company is the Roman Reigns company. I'm sick of it. And I'm so happy that the fans went all out and started chanting, this is bullshit. Because that's what it was, Ryan. It was bullshit. Are you kidding? Roman Reigns, a guy that had no business to be a part in that Rumble match, he takes number 30 over a guy like Samoa Joe, over a guy like Kurt Angle. You pick freaking Roman Reigns. Are you kidding me? Why? So you want to set up him versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania like anyone wants to see that freaking match happen? Because we're going to get that match, Ryan. It's going to happen. That stare down the head in the Royal Rumble, that moment when he eliminated The Undertaker, that's an indication that they're going to wrestle each other at WrestleMania. And guess what, Ryan? I don't want to see that match happen. I just don't want to see it happen. And here's another thing, Ryan, that just pisses me off. So, like I said before, Roman Reigns, he loses his championship match, and he's allowed back in the Rumble. But not AJ Styles. AJ Styles lost his championship match. He's not allowed back in the Rumble to get some redemption, to get a second chance. Are you kidding me? That's absurd. I'm sorry. If Roman Reigns is allowed back in the match, so is AJ Styles. 
That is freaking absurd that they went that route. And in the very end, Ryan, let's get to it. We have Randy Orton, the Royal Rumble winner. And we've heard the rumors that he was going to win the Rumble. I didn't want to believe it, but it happened. He won the Rumble. Am I upset? Am I happy? I don't know why I am, Ryan. It's good to see Randy Orton win the Royal Rumble, but, I mean, really, is this guy going to main event WrestleMania against who? Because we've heard the rumors going to be Bray Wyatt. Is that really going to main event WrestleMania? Randy versus Bray Wyatt is going to main event your biggest show over matches like Roman Reigns versus Undertaker, over a match like Goldberg, Brock Lesnar? I don't believe it, Ryan. People think that's going to be the main event. I don't believe it. I don't think it's big enough to main event your show, the biggest event of the year. That's not big enough, all right? I still think it's either going to be Goldberg, Brock, or Taker, Roman. Even though, yes, whoever wins the Royal Rumble, guaranteed in the main event. But if you're Vince McMahon, do you honestly think that Ray, uh, Brand, uh, Randy and Bray is a big enough main event over Goldberg and Brock, over Taker and Roman? I don't see it. And that's why I think it was a bad decision because I don't see Vince McMahon having Randy main event the show. And then that's killing the purpose of the Royal Rumble. Because that's supposed to be the match that puts you in the main event of WrestleMania. So let's say they have, yeah, Randy wins the Royal Rumble, and let's say he and Bray go on, you know, in the middle of the show. You're killing the purpose of the Royal Rumble match. Because it's supposed to be the winner goes to WrestleMania and main event the show. I'm completely honest with you, Ryan. I don't see Randy maintaining the show. Whether it's against John Cena or Bray Wyatt, I don't see it. When you have matches like Goldberg and Brock, and Taker and Roman are going to happen. I don't see it happening. So that's why I had a little bit of a problem with Randy winning the Rumble. Because I just have this mindset that he's not going to main event it. And with him not going to main event the show, you're killing the purpose of the Royal Rumble match. So again, you know, uh, to, to put it in perspective, to, to cap it all off, the first four matches of the show were great. But what killed this show in my opinion, was the Royal Rumble match. Hands down, I have never been so disappointed with one match in the history, in my history of watching wrestling. That match to me was probably the most disappointing match I've ever watched. The way it was booked, the lack of great moments, no surprises, and the decisive winner in the end killed the match overall. And how can I be surprised? Like I said before, WWE has done this time and time again. Whenever they hype up something big, they have up something that is going to excite fans. When it actually happens, it always fails and it always disappoints.
it's just amazing how god-awful this match and the outcomes have been. And it's not just this past year. In recent memory, the past couple of years, it's just been bad. I don't get it. You know, what, you know, I don't know what these writers and Mystic Man are thinking of. They think that this is good stuff. It's not good stuff. You hit it on the nail on the head. You have Taker, Brock Lesnar, and Goldberg in the match, and they did absolutely nothing but eliminate each other. We couldn't even get a stare-off between Brock and, let's say, Strowman. We didn't get a stare-off between Goldberg and Strowman or you know, Taker, uh, Goldberg and Reigns or Brock. I, I mean, it was absurd. They were there for just to have the name. You know, to get fans interested, but they had no impact in that match. It was a joke. And like I said before, Ryan, yeah, Randy won. That's great. But you cannot convince me that he's main eventing WrestleMania. You can't. I know. The purpose of the Royal Rumble match, whoever wins is going to main event the show. But are you going to sit here and tell me that, let's say it's Randy versus Bray, because that's the match we're hearing right now. Are you going to sit here and tell me that that match is going to main event WrestleMania over Roman Taker and Goldberg Brock? No, it's not. It's not going to main event those two over those two matches. Are you kidding me? That is something Vince McMahon will never do. If he does, I'll be shocked. But I don't see it happening. You can't hit. You cannot sit here and convince me that Randy is going to main event WrestleMania, especially if it's against Bray Wyatt over matches like Goldberg Brock and Taker Roman. I hate to say it, but those four names are bigger than Ray and Bray, than Bray, uh, Randy and Bray. It's a fact. It's not my opinion. It's a fact. Those four names, whether we like it or not, they draw more money than those two guys. They draw more interest than Bray and Randy. It's a fact. It's not an opinion. So that's why I can't sit here and say that Randy versus Bray for the WWE Championship is main event WrestleMania. When they're not going to be the biggest match. Look, Goldberg and Brock is going to be a bigger match because they're bigger names. Taker and Roman is going to be a bigger match because they're bigger names. They're bigger marketable people than Bray and Randy. That's why I can't sit here and think that Randy and Bray are going to main event. And that's why I think it was not a good decision to give Randy the win. Because, again, I don't see a main event in the show. And then you're killing the purpose for the Royal Rumble match. Because whoever wins the match is supposed to main event WrestleMania. And I just don't see it happening with Randy and Bray. I just don't. If it's Randy and Cena, then yes, I could see a main event. But another thing, who in 2017 wants to see Cena versus Randy again? They've had so many matches, there is no need for these two guys to wrestle each other anymore. It would be absurd if we see Cena Randy again. They're facing each other next week, and that tells me they're not facing each other at WrestleMania. Because they would not waste a match on SmackDown. If these two were facing each other Mania for that championship belt, they would not have these two guys face each other on a SmackDown. That would not happen. So, again, it was an absolute disaster. Again, you know, for the other stuff of the Royal Rumble, we got to give a shout-out to Gallus and Anderson. Bravo, guys. Tag Team Champions. Great moment for you guys. Finally, that's all I can say. Finally, Gallus and Anderson Tag Team Champions. Um, and again, all the other matches were good. You know, Charlotte Bailey was solid. Uh, the Cruiserweight match was okay. I thought it could have been better, but still solid. Roman, Roman versus Owens was great. And Cena versus Styles is great. And I thought with those matches being good, I was like, yeah. You know, this Royal Rumble match, it, it's going to probably outweigh and, and dominate those other matches. It didn't. 
It absolutely failed. Shame on WWE. Shame on Vince. Shame on whoever put this freaking match together. Once again, you did something so good to hype up, but in the very end, you failed to top. You, you failed to to exceed its expectations, all right? So many people had expectations for this match, and you failed to exceed it. That's on you guys. So, an absolute disaster. And again, you know, if there's anything that I've been so disappointed ever in my wrestling uh, watching career, the, watching that match go the way it went will go down as one of the most disappointing matches I've ever seen. We'll take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we got a recap takeover San Antonio, some Raw talk, some SmackDown talk, and some rough news about a possible major WWE superstar missing WrestleMania because of another injury. We'll tell you who that person is right after this break. Right here on the Royal Rumble Podcast. Hang on, everybody. Welcome back to the Royal Rainbow Podcast here on itsyourradio.com. One hour in the books. We recapped Royal Rumble. We talked about Kenny Omega staying in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now let's shift the focus to the second hour and discuss TakeOver San Antonio, Raw, SmackDown, some WrestleMania news, and uh, some tragic news about a certain superstar's health and uh, availability to uh, for WrestleMania. We'll start off with TakeOver. Uh, San Antonio, it was good. I thought I thought the show exceeded my expectations. Um, we'll start things off with uh, a new champion. You know, two new champions, by the way. But we'll start off with the biggest champion win, and that is Bobby Roode is the new NXT champion over Shinsuke Nakamura. Personally, Ryan, I am not a fan of the decision. I, I really am not a fan of the decision. No, and again, I've said it before on the show. No offense to Bobby Roode. I think he's a great talent. I think he's done great work with NXT. But let's be honest, I just don't think this guy is the right guy to take the belt off of Shinsuke Nakamura because, look, it's a clear indication with Nakamura losing his championship belt that he is destined for the main roster. Because, uh, look, I, I do not see this guy 
getting a third title run. I just don't. He may get a rematch, but he's not going to win that rematch. He's going to lose that rematch. Then who the hell knows where Shinsuke goes from here. And again, I just didn't think Bobby Roode was the right guy to win that belt off of Nakamura. Because you have to think about this too, Ryan. Look at Shinsuke Nakamura's title reign. You, you can make an argument that Shinsuke's title reign may go down as the worst in the brief history of NXT. And that's a shame because Shinsuke Nakamura is one of the greatest talents to ever perform in NXT. And his title runs have been brutal. I mean, he won the belt back in Brooklyn. His first title defense, he dropped it to Samoa Joe. And I said it then, that was not a smart decision to keep the, to put to take the belt off of Nakamura to give it back to Joe, to keep the feud going. Not a smart decision because he did win the belt back. He won the rematch and then he drops it again to Bobby Roode. So when you look at his two title runs, he only had one successful title defense. That is absurd for Shinsuke Nakamura to have that happen to him. That's not in the talent, because I saw a lot of people on social media say, oh, his run has been a disaster, and I've seen people attack Nakamura for not being a great talent. No, 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 no. This title run or runs that this guy had were so bad, not because of his talent. It's because of the booking. And we usually see Triple H and whoever runs NXT book NXT well. They've done a great job with their recent bookings and the way their storylines go. Without a doubt, this may be the biggest failure that NXT's done so far. Is the way they have booked Nakamura's title runs. They have been brutal. And to see him drop the belt again to Bobby Roode was a decision that I did not agree with. Now, yes, it was a great match. I will give him that. It was very good. It started off slow, but as the match moved on, it picked up. And things got intense in the later stages of the match. And I love the storytelling in this match to see Bobby Roode take advantage of a weakened champion and just go all out to win that championship match. He didn't get too frustrated. He just took he just took advantage of the opportunity, and he won the championship. Good for Bobby Roode. But we got to think about Nakamura here. Because we've heard, you know, Triple H has been vocal about this. He is not happy with the way the NXT brand has been going lately. And why should he be? You know, you know the, the tag team division has been not great. The women's division has taken a major hit. I mean, the the the, uh, the the main event talent has been good, but but look what's happening now. You lost Samoa Joe, you lost Ty Dillinger, and now you got Lushinsuke Nakamura. And right now, who are the guys that are going to replace these three? I mean, yeah, there's Bobby Roode as a champion. You got you know Eric Young, you got Roderick Strong, you got Chris Hero coming in, you got Tommy Yen. But right now, all those guys are in their early stages of NXT. They're nowhere near finished products yet to headline takeover shows except for Bobby Roode. So that's why I think it was a dumb decision to take the belt for Nakamura because you need to keep this guy around. Right now, NXT doesn't have that next star to lead the brand. I'm sorry. I don't see Bobby Roode as that guy. That's why I think it was a dumb decision to take the belt for Nakamura and give it a Roode because when you take the belt for Nakamura now, that means he's leaving the brand. And you need that next star to lead the brand. And I don't think Bobby Roode's that guy. I just don't see it. Yes, he has the look. Yes, he can talk like a superstar. But again, I, there's something about Bobby Roode that doesn't tell me that he's that next face of the brand. I just don't see it. And I think it was better served to have Nakamura win that belt to drop it at TakeOver Orlando to a guy like Chris Hero. 
I think that would have made more sense, but I just think they had other plans and give the belt to Bobby Roode. So it was a good show again to the other matches, but we have to talk about that big match first because it's a big deal. To see Nakamura lose the belt again, and now we don't know what his future holds for that with NXT and on the main roster, I, I thought that was a dumb decision because, look, Nakamura needs to stay in NXT a little bit longer. Because really, if he goes to the main roster, whether it's SmackDown or Raw, and I'm hoping it's SmackDown, what's his role going to be? I don't know what his role is going to be. Do they have a role for Nakamura? What's he going to do first? I don't know. That's why I felt that it was a dumb decision to take the belt for Nakamura because right now, he still has a lot more to offer in NXT. And him dropping the belt tells me that he's leaving NXT pretty soon. Because he's not going to win the title back. They're not going to give this guy a third title run. It's not going to happen. If he's going to get that rematch, it's either going to happen on a TV taping or a TakeOver Orlando. If he loses a TakeOver Orlando, which probably is going to happen because he's not getting that belt back, he's, he's going to be on the Raw SmackDown. And what's he going to do next? I don't know. So, to me, it was a good show. We'll get into the other matches. But what really hurt me about the show a little bit was that was that decision. I think it was the right decision to take the belt for Nakamura. It, it, it killed his title runs. They've not been that great. And again, you know, with him losing the match, it basically tells you that this guy's done in NXT and they don't have that guy right now to lead the brand. I mean, Chris Hero will be that guy, but not right now. It's Bobby Roode. And personally, no disrespect to Bobby Roode, I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's good enough to be that guy. I might be a little bit harsh because Bobby Roode has been great for NXT, but there's just something about him that just doesn't look – it just doesn't tell me that he's the right guy to lead the brand. I just don't see it. And personally, I'm going to be dead honest, Bobby Roode should have been that Royal Rumble. I would have had this guy lost the, the match to, to Nakamura and then have him debut in the Rumble. Why am I saying that? This guy's a finished product, all right? This guy is as finished a product as we've seen in the history of NXT. He didn't need to go to NXT. He did because, you know, he wasn't a big enough name yet, but still – he can talk, he can wrestle, he's got a great look, he's got a tremendous entrance. He is a finished product. Nakamura, to me, is just not there yet. He still needs to be a little bit better on the microphone. But still, though, I, I just I just wasn't happy with the decision, Ryan. Your thoughts, I, again, you know, good for Bobby Roode, congratulations. But to me, that was just not the right decision to take the belt for Nakamura and give it a Roode because it leaves so many questions up in the air. When's Nakamura going to debut on the main roster? What's he going to do next? And where does Bobby Root go from here as a champion? What's he going to do as that next face of the brand? Yeah.
If that does happen, I'll be rooting for Nakamura to go to SmackDown. If he goes to Raw, it will be cool to see him on Raw, but I have zero hope for him on Monday Night Raw. That's just me. With Vince McMahon running the show, with Stephanie running the show, they will destroy Nakamura. I'm telling you that right now. They will not do Nakamura justice. All right, This guy is better off on SmackDown. You know, SmackDown does a good job building their talent. They, they build good storylines. They have great matches. Better on Raw. And I think it makes more sense for Nakamura to be on SmackDown because there's a guy by the name of Daniel Bryan that knows Shinsuke Nakamura personally. And I think Nakamura working with Daniel Bryan makes more sense. That's just me, you know. And with Samoa Joe looking like he's going to be on Raw officially. I mean, they had Nakamura on the same show as Joe. doesn't make sense to me. Not to mention Finn Balor's on the same show. Too much star power. SmackDown needs more stars. It's clear it's day. With John Cena being a part-timer, they need more stars. You know, there's, there's AJ Styles. Yes, there's um, Randy Orton. There's The Miz. There's, you know, uh, Bray Wyatt. But they need more stars. And I think Nakamura's better to serve for SmackDown than Raw. But that's a conversation safe for another time, not right now. I get it. You know, it, it does make a little bit of sense. But I just think that with the way Nakamura's title run went, he deserved a lot better. And for those who think it's on Nakamura that hit, that this run was bad, you're out of your freaking mind. You know, it's not Nakamura's fault. It's it's the booking's fault. They did not do a good job with his booking and his title run. I mean, I said it. I said it uh, with my couple of my buddies. The worst decision they made on this title run was him losing the belt at Toronto. That made no sense to give the belt to Joe. To keep the feud going made no sense. Nakamura needed to retain that belt so that you can send Joe off the main roster and have Nakamura move on to a different feud. But no, they had, they had Joe win the match, and then for the next two weeks, they had Joe versus Nakamura on television again. The match in Japan where Nakamura got the belt back, and then the one in Australia in the cage match. It was unnecessary. 
So I was frustrated about that, but it is what it is. Nakamura no longer the champion. He's not getting that belt back. Root's going to be the champion for now on. For how long? We'll see what happens. But it is what it is. But I do agree with you, Ryan. The storytelling in the match was superb. Again, you know, the Root taking the advantage of a bad uh, bad knee of Nakamura's. Um, just going right at him, you know. He just didn't he didn't he didn't hold back. He saw Nakamura was hurt. He was going after it. He had two DDTs. He had that Boston Crab in. He was relentless, and it was suspenseful. It was crazy. It was intense. And to see Rude got the win was cool to see. But I just personally think with the Nakamura run he had, I think he deserved better. For the rest of the show, it was good. You know, we'll start off with the first match. Uh, uh, Derek Young versus Ty Dillinger. Um, great match. I thought a good, solid, short match. I know many people were pissed that Dillinger lost, but people, let's be honest. This guy, Ty Dillinger, yeah, would have been cool to see him win, absolutely. But he's going to the main roster. If he would have won that match, what what would be the payoff for Ty Dillinger? You know, what, what how would he benefit from that win? Because if he would have won that match, you would think that Ty would have to come back in NXT to build off that win. No, he won the match, goes to the main roster, means nothing. Eric Young needed to win that match because... He's going to be around in NXT. He's not going to main roster anytime soon. Eric Young needed to win so he can keep himself relevant, to keep himself hot. And look, you know, if you're NXT, you're you're building this faction around Eric Young. You have, you know, Nikki Cross, you have Alexander Wolfe, and you have the stupid name that is Killian Dane. That is so stupid name for Big Damo. He he should still be Big Damo. I'm sorry. Killian Dane, are you kidding me? But still, you're building a faction around Eric Young. How does it make sense to have him lose? You can't. You know, you want to make this faction a, a, a legitimate faction. You can't have Eric Young lose. I'm sorry. You need to build this guy up like he is a legitimate contender in NXT and for that championship. So it would have made no sense for for Dillinger to win, especially with him going to the main roster. You needed Eric Young to win because, look, at the end of the day, he's still going to be around NXT and Ty Dillinger is going to be on the main roster. So they made the right decision with that. Uh, Roger Strong was Almas. Was really good, I thought. That was a great match. Uh, good for both these guys to get this opportunity to go out there and put on a great match. Uh, Roger Strong getting the win was no shocker. He he needed to win more than Almas. He's got more upside. He's a more legitimate talent than Almas. He has a better connection with the fans than Almas. He needed to win more. He did. Good match. And we'll see where, where both these guys go from. Especially Roddy because he got the win. Um, tag team title match was really good. I really loved that match. Uh, people were pissed off that DIY lost, but l let me tell you this, people. Again, you know, I had so many people bitch and moan about, oh my god, how could you do this to DIY? It wasn't a long title reign. Uh, excuse me, people. I want you to tell me how in God's name were DIY going to win that match. Give me a theory. Give me some sort of way that DIY was going to win that match. It was unrealistic, people. There was no way, no chance in hell. That the authors of pain were going to lose that match with the run they've been on, the two, the size that these two guys have, the intimidating look, and with Paul Ellering managing these two guys, how can you sit there and tell me that you know DIY was going to win this match? I couldn't see it. There was no way. It was just a bad position for them to be in that they had to be involved in this match with those two big monsters. You couldn't have AOP lose. The only way the Alters of Pain could have lose that match is if they disqualify themselves. If they did it to themselves. If they got too frustrated and then they say, you, say, you know what, we're going to take these two steel chairs, we're going to beat the crap out of DIY. Okay. That would have made a little bit more sense, but that is something that NXT doesn't do these days. They don't have screwy finishes. 
every decision on these takeover matches, nine times out of ten, is a clean finish. So there was just no possible way for DIY to win these belts, uh, to retain these belts. It just wasn't going to happen. It was a great match. I mean, hell, man, DIY looked great. They made the Altus of Pain look great. Great match overall. But there was only one decision needed, and it was the Altus of Pain winning. Yeah, you could say that the run for DIY was very short, but again, it was just a bad position at the worst time for DIY to be in. Because the Altus of Pain are two big dudes. We all know Vince loves the big guys, and if you're big, you're strong, and you're mean-looking, you're going to get a push. They're managed by Paul Ellering. They won the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. They had no choice but to put the belts on these guys. I'm sorry. It's just a fact. They, they had no choice but to put the belts on these guys. So, no problem with that decision. Great for Walter's opinion. Congratulations. As for DIY, we'll see where they go from here. And then finally, the women's match. The match that I was so hard on as we predicted it, we previewed it about what the match is going to go down, how is it going to go down. It exceeded my expectations, Ryan. I'm going to be completely honest. I thought the match was really good. I, I do have to say that. I thought, uh, number one, Nikki Cross stole the show, in my opinion. She was fantastic. Uh, you can see her great potential. Uh, I, I definitely think at some point in the future that she's going to get a title shot, whether it's against Oscar or Ember Moon. She will get that shot. She deserves it. She's really, really good. Uh, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay were good, too, I got to say. I thought Royce stood out more. That Widow's Peak finish, that move she hit on Oscar was really, really impressive. She stood up more than Billy Kay. Billy Kay was meh, but I thought Royce looked really good. The one spot they did by the announcers table where they double suplex cross through the table was pretty cool to see. That was something I did not expect. The problem I had with the match on Ryan was the finish. And this has been an ongoing trend with the recent NXT women's matches. The finishes have not been that good, and they've been unexpected. I mean, who thought that Oscar was going to win the match the way she did? You know, a couple of kicks, and then this one roundhouse spinning kick, and that's it. The match is over. I, I didn't expect that to happen. The finish she had with Mickey James. Yeah, she won with the Oscar lock, but Mickey James tapped so quickly. You know, it wasn't like uh, Mickey was trying to hang on, but then and then in the very end she couldn't hang on too long that she that he needed to she needed to tap out. No, the moment Oscar got the 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 Oscar lock around her, she tapped right away. And even the Bailey finish at TakeOver Brooklyn was kind of weird. So the finishes have not been that great. That was the only negative I had with that match. But I thought the match was really good. I got to say that. I thought, I thought Nikki Cross looked great. I thought Billy Kay and Payne Royce looked good. And Asuka was just Asuka. And now we get set for Asuka versus Ember Moon. I cannot wait for that match. Others want to see Nikki Cross versus Asuka for the belt in, in Orlando. And I see why you want to see that happen. But people, I hate to bring it to you. Ember Moon is just a better opponent for Asuka. It's a bigger match. You know, Ember Moon's been so hot as of late. She's killing it right now. Her character's over. She's over with the fans. She's great in the ring. She would put she would put together a bigger, better match with Asuka than Nikki Cross. No offense to Nikki Cross. She's great, but Ember Moon's just a better all-around all talent. And this is TakeOver Orlando. This is a WrestleMania weekend card. You need to have a big-time card to put together. And I just think right now... Ember Moon versus Asuka is just a bigger match than Asuka and Nikki Cross. So, overall, TakeOver San Antonio was great. Not the greatest TakeOver card, not the greatest TakeOver show, but in the very end, it exceeded my expectations.
Yeah, you know, and we've seen it a couple of times, you know, where we think that TakeOver is going to be good but not great. Winds up being great. And, you know, that's all on, you know, what Triple H does, how the talent go out there and handle themselves and the matches they put together. They, they turn things from good to great. And that's why NXT has been so successful because, you know, with their backs against the wall, you know, they always find a way to, to outshine the main roster. And I thought they did it again. I, I thought TakeOver was better than the Royal Rumble. And a big reason why I thought that was because the Royal Rumble match was the biggest reason why Royal Rumble was not that great because the biggest match on that show was a humongous letdown where all five takeover matches were really good. I didn't agree with uh, the big decision with Rude beating Nakamura, but I understood it. And I just thought top to bottom, the car was very good. The matches were good. They all had their time to shine, and they all delivered. And we're going to get into more of NXT and its future as they head over now as they focus on TakeOver Orlando. We'll do it this, we'll do it this Friday. We'll talk about, you know, when can we see Chris Hero? When can we see Tommy Yen? As, as those two guys could be, coming, could be coming into the fold pretty soon. What's next for Bobby Roode? You know, will Nakamura get his rematch? Uh, Ember Movers Asuka, is that going to be happening in Orlando? Have we seen the last of uh, DIY? Uh, what about the Revival? You know, that's another thing. The Revival, maybe the greatest tag team in the history of NXT, they were no-shows no this entire weekend. And that was really shocking to see because these two guys, Dash and Dawson, are a tremendous tag team. And they, they should have gotten uh, some sort of opportunity, but no, not the case. So uh, we'll get into more of NXT's future this Friday. Uh, let's talk about now Raw and SmackDown. Uh, we'll start things off with Raw. I got to say, Ryan, I thought Raw was really good. Uh, I, I do give him that. That you know, The Royal Rumble was a letdown, but they did bounce back on Raw. Uh, and the biggest reason why is that whole Stephanie, Seth, Triple H stuff. I, I have to admit that. Um, you know, the, the Stephanie, uh, Seth segment was awesome. That was the best. We've seen Seth Rollins as a face since he turned. Because let's be honest, you know, the Seth Rollins face run has not been that great because of the bad booking, because of the bad storytelling. And recently, we've, we've been seeing a better face Seth Rollins. You know, going back to TakeOver, he invaded TakeOver. That was something that was highly unexpected, but that was a brilliant, brilliant move by WWE. Because we that's something we don't see often, where, where we see a an actual TakeOver, no pun intended, happen on an NXT TakeOver show. That was cool to see. And then it continued with... Monday between Seth and and and, and uh, Stephanie, where Stephanie's trying to warn Seth that this is not the right thing for him to do. They, they put himself in this position to try to unleash the game, to unleash the cerebral assassin, the man that has ended careers before. And Seth basically saying that I don't care. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter whether it's at another takeover show, whether it's at a board uh, board of directors meeting, whether it's at the uh, headquarters of WWE, or even at Stephanie's house. With the kids sitting there, that he is coming for Triple H. That was awesome stuff right there. That was the best face Seth Rollins that we've seen since he turned face back in the summer. And then, you know, Stephanie says, Triple H is here. He's on his way. And then we see Triple H come out to end the show. He's talking and he's basically saying that Seth Rollins leave me no choice but to unleash my inner self where I'm as dangerous and as vicious as anybody on the planet. And then here comes Seth Rollins to provoke. Triple H, and out of nowhere, here comes Samoa Joe. He attacks Seth Rollins. He beats him down. He's now, quote-unquote, the destroyer now because Triple H mentioned, oh, I'm the creator. Now you're going to meet the destroyer, and we all thought that was going to be Triple H, but nope, it's Samoa Joe. He's involved in the storyline. That's awesome to see, and it was a great way to end Raw, but we got some sad news, though, people. As it was announced earlier today, 
Uh, Seth Rollins, from that segment last night, re-injured his right knee, the knee that he hurt um, last year when he, of course, did that spot with Kane that tore his ACL, his MCL, his meniscus, uh, that silent him for about nine months, I think. He re-injured it. And we don't know how uh, legitimate the injury is, how serious it is. From what I've heard, it is serious. Uh, he's getting his uh, x-rays done today in Alabama. Uh, we've heard nothing yet about the timetable for his return, but uh, it doesn't sound good. And now they're saying that there's a good possibility that for the second straight year, uh, Seth Rollins is going to miss WrestleMania, and that's a huge blow. I, I mean, let's be honest. It's a huge blow for us fans that love Seth Rollins, but it's a big blow for Seth, you know, because this is a guy that is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's one of the best workers, and this is a guy that wants to be a part of the WrestleMania experience. He wants to be in that ring. He wants to be on that stage at the biggest event of the year to take part of it, and if this is the case that he's going to miss his second straight WrestleMania, that has to be a huge blow. And it has to suck for Seth Rollins because this guy worked so hard. He worked so hard to get back here. It looked like that he was fully healed from this injury, that he's going to be okay for the future. But to hear that he re-injured it, uh, that is a blow. It's just tragic, tragic news. And we hope the best for Seth Rollins. Hopefully it's not a long-term injury. Hopefully that he's good to go for WrestleMania. But from what we've heard, it doesn't seem that way. And now the question remains... If Seth Rollins, in all likelihood, is going to be out for WrestleMania, what does that leave Triple H? Because we all know that it's going to be Seth versus Triple H at WrestleMania. That was supposed to be the match. And, you know, F my F my life because we're going to be at WrestleMania. And that was the match I was looking forward to the most. And we're not going to get that match. So that's a bummer. And now what the question is, where are they going to go with Triple H? Is he going to wrestle at WrestleMania? If so, who is he going to wrestle? Will he wrestle Samoa Joe? Will he wrestle Finn Balor? That's a name people have been throwing out. It's Finn Balor, maybe Sami Zayn. Or is he not going to wrestle at all? I, I don't know what this is going to mean for Triple H because he was locked in to face Seth Rollins. That's a match people have been wanting to see for for a long time. And we may not get it because of Seth Rollins' injury. So that's a bummer. Um, we'll see what happens next Monday. We'll see what happens with this whole storyline because I was looking forward to it. We'll see Samoa Joe involved in the storyline as the Destroyer, would have been some good television, but with Seth Part uh, 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 reportedly hurt, and we don't know how long he's out, it, it, it is a humongous blow. So we hope the best for Seth Rollins. Hopefully it's not a long-term injury, but, you know, again, Raw itself was really good. There were some good segments on the show. There were some bad segments. That's what it is with Raw, but some good stuff overall. Not going to get into it fully. Uh, the Brock Lesnar stuff with Paul Heyman was okay. I... Personally, I thought we should have saw more from Brock Lesnar talking-wise. To see him just stand there and say nothing after being humiliated again by Goldberg. I thought Brock should have taken that microphone from Paul and saying, I'm, I, just basically saying how it is, saying that Goldberg, you got my number, man, but we're not done yet. I want your ass at, at WrestleMania. Instead, though, Paul Heyman once again did the talking. I thought they should, should have done a little bit different. Um, you know, the stuff with, um, Charlotte and Bailey. I mean, like you said, Ryan, they had Bailey pin Charlotte in that six tag team match. All right, it is what it is. It's going to continue their feud. Uh, the Sasha Banks, Nia Jax stuff is interesting. It's a clear indication that we're going to get a Sasha heel turn pretty soon. That's going to happen in the coming weeks from what we've heard. And overall, just a good show. You know, I, I thought Raw did not disappoint this week. So that's my thoughts. Ryan, what about you?
Uh, in terms of the Seth Rollins injury, I got some news. Uh, not official, but uh, our good buddies from the Sunday Shoot, uh, John, who runs the um, the Instagram page, is hearing that it looks like four to six months for Seth Rollins, and that means that if it is the case, four to six months, he's going to miss WrestleMania. Might not return until maybe Money in the Bank, and again, that's just a just a terrible, terrible news because again, like you said, Ryan, it's been well documented on the network. They had their that have its it has its own special. That Seth Rollins, you know, made it, made it into a big deal that he was not a part of WrestleMania. He worked so hard to try to get back at WrestleMania. Couldn't. He came back, of course, at Extreme Rules. And now, for the second year in a row, it looks like that Seth Rollins is missing WrestleMania. So that is a just awful, awful news if it's true. It's not officially true, but our, our good buddies at the Sunday Shoot, you can follow them at TSS Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, he's hearing that it looks like four to six months for Seth Rollins, and if that is the case, that is awful, awful news. As for SmackDown, uh, SmackDown was okay. I didn't think it was that great. Um, you know, it's gonna be a big couple of SmackDowns for for them, as of course in 11 days they have uh, the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, and now we know who will be in the Chamber match. They announced it yesterday. John Cena will defend the WWE Championship against AJ Styles, Bray Wyatt. Baron Corbin, Dean Ambrose, and uh, The Miz. Personally, perfect six opponents right there. I thought Dolph Ziggler had a shot to be in this match, but it wouldn't make sense, you know, doing a little bit of a different direction for Dolph Ziggler. He's going to do a few with Apollo Crews, so getting Corbin involved was good to see. Um, should be a good match. I mean, I'm not going to be happy with the decision. If they do go with the decision to take the belt for John Cena, that will be awful because you have this guy, Tyreek Flair's record. To only drop the belt two weeks later to possibly Bray Wyatt from what we've heard could be the winner. I mean, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. You win the championship. You should not drop that belt in two weeks. I'm sorry. It's stupid. At least have about two to three months with the with the title. Not drop it two weeks later. Wouldn't make sense. Uh, but that's the match. That should be a good one. Um, we also have some other matches announced for the Elimination Chamber. We got Naomi versus Alexa Bliss for the women's title. No shocker there because Naomi's been getting the upper hand on Bliss for the past couple of nights. She pinned Bliss. On the SmackDown, uh, on the pre-show for the Royal Rumble, the six-woman tag team match for SmackDown, she won that match. And then this past Tuesday, well, excuse me, last night, she pinned Alexa Bliss again in tag team action. So, without a doubt, makes sense. Give her the uh, number one contendership. Uh, that should be a good match. Uh, Nikki Bella versus uh, Natalia is happening in the Elimination Chamber as well. Um, and another match is happening. Uh, and this is one of the negatives I had with the SmackDown show. Is a tag team division. Uh, let's talk about this, Ryan. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I forgot when it happened, but American Alpha won the tag team belts, and then they retained their belts in a rematch with the Wyatts. From that moment on, we have yet to see American Alpha on television. Until last night. And, Ryan, I am very confused with the direction of, the Ameri of American Alpha right now. Because, you know, they're being booked as a face tag team. You know, but when you hear them on the microphone, 
They sound like a heel tag team to me. I don't know what to think of American Alpha. Now, we know how great they are in the ring. We great. We know how great they are chemistry-wise as a duo. I mean, Jordan and Gable are tremendous together, but the way they've been being booked, the way they've been used, I don't know who they are. Are they a face tag team? Are they a heel tag team? I'm not so sure. The booking has gone in two different directions. In the ring, they're being booked as a face tag team, but on the microphone, they're being booked as a heel tag team. Tell me who they are, WWE. And secondly, can we see more of these guys on television? I mean, come on. They're your tag team champions. To see them go MIA for the past couple of weeks is absurd. We need to see more of these guys. And then last night, they cut the promo, seeing how frustrated they are that they want it. They want some competition. They want some challengers. Good to see they want to be uh, fighting champions, not champions that just hold back and you know don't want any part of any person going after their belts like the Miz used to do. But um, still, you know, they want challengers. And then last night, all tag teams from SmackDown appeared. You know, you had Usos, you had Brizongo, you had the Ascension, the Vaude Villains, and uh, Slater and Rhino. And then this all-out brawl happened for no freaking reason. And in the very end, we find out that's going to be a tag team turmoil at the Elimination Chamber with all those teams going after the American Alpha's tag team belts. I mean, I guess it's good for those teams to get this opportunity. But, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, WWE does not has not done a good job with their tag team division. I mean, let's. I mean, look at it. American Alpha is great. They really are. But like I said, they're being booked awkwardly. They really are. The Usos, ever since the heel turn, have not been utilized in its in, in its best way possible. You know, Brizongo has not been utilized the right way. The Ascension have been brutal. Uh, the Vaude Villains are brutal. Slater and Rhino are brutal. I mean, there is no legitimate competition. In this tag team division, except for the Usos and American Alpha. And I thought we were getting that last night. When Usos came out, I was like, all right, Usos Alpha, let's get it going. And then here comes the Ascension. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Here comes Brizongo. Here comes the Vault Villains. Here comes Slater and Rhino. And it's just, it's absurd, you know, because, again, you know, yes, these teams, it's good to see them involved. But SmackDown has not done its part in building these teams up. They're just not doing it properly. Build these teams up. They're not doing it. And again with American Alpha, the way they've been being booked, you got to do a better job than that. I don't know who they are. Are they a face? Are they a heel team? I don't know. They're acting both ways. They really are. And it's not a good way, not a good route to go with because you're confusing the fans. The fans don't know if they want to cheer for them or boom. So WWE has to do a good job, clear, clear the way. Just come out and say it. Are the are American Alpha a heel tag team or are they a face tag team? We need to know because you're confusing the crap out of people. They don't know what to do with the American Alpha. They don't know how to respond to American Alpha as a good guy, as a good tag team or a bad tag team. I don't know about that. That's confusing. But you know, Styles versus Ambrose was good work. I thought Corbin in the very end, you know, being the top guy was awesome to see. Um. You know, the stuff between John Cena and Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt was some good stuff. Uh, Randy getting the pinfall over John Cena was no shocker to me. And now these two guys are facing each other next Tuesday on SmackDown. And like I said earlier, that's an indication that they're not going to be facing each other at WrestleMania. So forget about that. The Carmella Ellsworth stuff, I'm sorry. It's stupid. It's a joke. Just leave it at that. And uh, Dolphin Kalisto, yet again, for no freaking reason... Makes no sense either. I mean, Dolph Ziggler should be doing better stuff. You know, for him to continue to squash Kalisto every single week, only to uh, have Apollo Crews come out to save the day 
It's stupid stuff. It really is. It's, it's lazy booking. So for the first time in quite a long time, Raw this week was better than SmackDown. And SmackDown has to do a little bit of a better job in how they're utilizing their talent, how they're doing the storylines. And like I said before, the tag division has been awful. And they got to do better stuff with certain superstars like Dolph Ziggler, like Kalisto, like Cruz, like Carmella. They're not doing its job. So SmackDown was okay, but it wasn't the best show this week as Raw beat them for the first time in quite a, quite a long time.
Yeah, absolutely. And again, it should be a big SmackDown next week. Cena versus Orn. Uh, and again, you know, I, I think with the Corbin stuff, they're just trying to hype up the Elimination Chamber. That's the reason why they had that segment because all those guys are in the Chamber match. You know, all Corbin, Miz, uh, Ambrose, and Styles were all are all in the Chamber match. So I guess they're trying to do their part, hyping up the match. That's a smart move. You want to hype up this match, and having Corbin be the one going on top after the end of the show was the smart move. Because look, you know, when you look at all the names listed for that match. Corbin is the least favorite to win, and I think you want to try to convince people that, hey, that he's a dark horse to win this match. I'm not saying he's going to win a match, but you, try, you want to convince fans that, hey, Corbin has a great shot to win this match. So, again, you know, SmackDown, not that great, but not that bad either. Uh, that's all the time we got, people. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we jam-packed show today. Talked a lot of stuff. Kenny Omega staying in New Japan. Royal Rumble weekend. You know, San, TakeOver San Antonio. Raw SmackDown recap tonight. Hopefully everyone enjoys NXT as they officially now move ahead from San Antonio to go looking ahead to uh, take over Orlando. That's their big next event, so we'll see what happens tonight. And this upcoming Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, it's your radio.com. We're going to talk about NXT and its future because we got to talk about what's next for certain superstars. Nakamura, where does he go from here? Does he go on the main roster? If so, when's that going to happen? Bobby Roode, he's a champion. After Nakamura, what's his next opponent? You know, Chris Hero is officially done with all of his independent booking stuff. He's done with Evolve Wrestling. Where does Chris Hero appear? Tommy N, we want to know when he's going to appear because he already made his appearance at the UK tournament. What's he going to do in NXT? Roderick Strong, where is he going to go from here as he gets the win over Almas? The tag team title scene, the women's scene. A lot to talk about Friday with NXT plus some other wrestling news. Maybe get some more input, some more news about Seth Rollins' injury. So that's going to happen this Friday here on itsyourradio.com. But as of right now, that's all the time we got. I'm Brian Sendek. He's Ryan Martirano. Hopefully everyone enjoys NXT tonight. We'll see you on Friday, 4 p.m. on itsyourradio.com.